Special guest on again and back with us, Clarence Smith. So, Clarence, welcome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's appreciate having you back. You know, good friend and very intelligent, knowledgeable young man. Appreciate well, that. I guess song. we're not. I guess we're not young anymore. Uh, but... Forty-two isn't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, Clarence, for thanks for... <laughs> so, Clarence, thanks for being back on. So, we're gonna. Touch first and foremost on Clarence. You got a new position mm-hmm. with uh what Winchester City School Board, and I think I guess you could speak on that sure. position you got. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually with Winchester Public Schools, and my title is Diversity Recruitment Specialist. So what that means is that Winchester Public Schools has recognized that the demographic and the student base has changed pretty significantly from when we went to Hanley. Um, In particular, the Hispanic population now represents 40% of the student base in Hanley. So there are all these studies out that say that when a student has a same race teacher, that they tend to perform better. They're less likely to drop out of school. Um, So these are all things that Winchester Public Schools has taken to heart and have started an initiative to try to reflect the student body and the faculty and staff. So that's easier said than done because there's also this problem in the in the country right now where not only are we at a dearth of teachers, people aren't, aren't um, becoming education majors anymore, but there's even less people who are of color um, who are getting into education. That means there's less Black teachers, there's less Hispanic teachers, less Asian teachers, and um, that becomes you know a, a major obstacle when you're trying to recognize the importance of having a diverse staff in order to reflect that you know again in a diverse student body. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But yeah. there is a misnomer and I want to clarify. So even though my title is diversity recruitment specialist, my number one goal is to get to full um, uh, full occupation, uh, uh, for lack of a better term. We want every vacancy to be filled. Um, that goes from bus drivers to cafeteria workers to um, administration. Uh, we need all those positions to be filled. And if we had our druthers, then one eye is going to be set on diversity. We're going to look to try to recruit candidates, um, again, that are going to be uh, in line with the students that we serve here. Mm -hmm. All right. That's, yeah, I mean, that's good. I mean, I felt when we went to Hanley, I guess there was, I mean, Hanley has always been a very diverse school. And Mm -hmm. we had, you know, minority teachers. I feel it was pretty even, I guess, balanced. But, I mean, you do hit a, a great point, like, yeah, if kids relate to that teacher, yeah, they want to learn more. I mean, I think it's just regardless, black, white, whatever teachers, you just need to relate to students, period. Because, you know, I have kids and they're like, oh, this teacher's cool and blah, 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 you know, regardless, black or white. So, 
I mean, yeah, but it's and, great more diversity. Yeah, go ahead, mm-hmm. Clarence. I was just going to say it's it's an interesting phenomenon. So, like, mm-hmm. it kind of goes back. Um, you know, there's two types of segregation, right? There's de jure and there's de facto, and de jure segregation is by law. So that's you know we're going back into the uh, pre um, Brown versus Board of Education 1954 stuff where there were laws segregating people, and then there is the uh, de facto segregation. And we see that play out in school when you go into the cafeteria and all the Hispanic kids congregate together at those tables and all the black kids mm-hmm. congregate at those tables. And it's not necessarily because anyone told them that they had to do that. It's a phenomenon within humanity where you try to um, get with people who look like you. You try to be in the same communities and because you have those shared experiences. So if we can recognize that within our student base, then certainly if we can help students um, create a connection with their teacher simply by, you know, making sure that we have a diverse staff and we're going to try to do that as best as we can. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I totally, yeah. I see your point. I mean, I totally <clears throat> get it. It's like, yeah. So like we're going to get in that reservate Indians and all that. That's like basically the same thing. Cause they're with their same, you know, they're going to be interested because they all relate to each other. So I see the, the whole point. So, I mean, that's a great thing, but another question is like raises, and all that because you're losing teachers at a high clip right now as mm-hmm. well. In the county, you know, Fre- I mean, Frederick County did yeah. budget cuts. Yeah, and you yeah. know, COVID, whatever. But and I've always said teachers, they're they've been way underpaid for what they do anyway, and that's plenty of places. But I mean, what's going on with that? Because I mean, to me, yes, you're, we're trying to do a great thing right now. This is great. You know, they gave you a position to do this, but what's the pay like? all right, what are we offering these, you know, to recruit people too? Because of course yeah. what's going to come into play is, well, what am I going to get paid? <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the first thing that's on the plate. Well, I appreciate you and Zeb both touching on this because it gives me an opportunity to kind of give you a little bit of a pitch. Mm-hmm. So I just came from Frederick County Public Schools and I spent 16 and a half years there. Um, and it was tremendous. It, it did a lot of the great things for me, enabled me to, you know, get married and to buy a house and to start raising two little girls. So, um, you know, I owe a lot to that, to that, um, to those, that, that time period in my life. But uh, like Zeb was just alluding to, things have kind of turned on its ear a little bit in Frederick County over the last um, several months, at least. And um, what's happening out there is they seem to be wanting to, they being the Board of Supervisors, by the way, um, and if you're not familiar with local government, the Board of Supervisors are the ones who determine how much funding the public schools get. And they've decided to play yeah. this game of chicken as they're looking in these political spheres, um, this political game of chicken with our uh, students and with our faculty and staff. And like Zeb mentioned, they're talking about at one time it was bandied about that there was going to be $22 million cut. I think right now they're talking about settling on a $2.1 million cut. And that's significant, especially, um, again, here's my pitch for Winchester Public Schools. You drive right into the city and we're talking about a 7% raise. You know, that's that's currently in, mm-hmm. in the workings. Um, so if you take that 2.1 cut, the governor, the former governor, Northam, promised a 5% raise across education in the entire state. Well, if Frederick County is talking about a $2.1 million cut, then of course that's going to impact what that raise looks like. And that's despite the fact that we're in an inflationary period right now in our economy. It's despite the fact that insurance is going to go up, cost of living is generally going to go up. And here's Frederick County Board of Supervisors saying, we don't care about any of that. We're going to cut your your wages. And it's just a slap in the face coming from those educators who have gone through so much over the last couple of years. Tony, like you said, with COVID and just the regular challenges of being in the classroom. And now it's like, do you really respect and value what I try to bring to the table? And a lot of teachers in Frederick County are deciding that maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe they're not valuing it. So 
Um, oh. On the other hand, you know, here in the, in the city, um, where our leader, Dr. Van Heukelum, um, uh, definitely has a different approach to this. And it is mm. uh, some of the things that I talked to you about. He wants to build capacity and um, he wants to show that uh, education is value, valued here in, in the city. And he's going to put his mouth where his money is or his money. Yeah, I think that's how the expression goes. Um, <laughs> and, and, and he's going to try to do his best to, to not just recruit people, but to retain people, because that's a problem that we have on this side of the mountain, too. We get teachers who, um, you know, spend five years here and the allure of going over to Loudoun County to chase the money becomes so great Mm -hmm. that we end up hemorrhaging really good teachers. So one of my jobs, one of my goals is to try to recognize students who uh, or young professionals who already have um, a vested interest in Winchester. I'm a Winchester guy like you guys are. I I don't need to go anywhere. You know, now that I Mm. I have, I'm I'm in a position where I know that I'm valued and that I have opportunity for growth, there's no reason for me to leave. So we need to find more people like myself um, to try to get back into this system so um, that we're uh, proud in our community and we want to build and grow our community, not look at it as a stepping stone to some other opportunity. Yeah, and you nailed it on the head. Like, yeah, make everybody feel appreciated. Like my son gets tutored right now. And this teacher goes above and beyond. I love her. Her name's Miss Wynn. Young, you probably know her. No, you know, no. And does does she get appreciated? She probably doesn't. I mean, she spends like some days, weekends to mm-hmm. tutor him, like mm-hmm. out of her way. And she's not getting paid for that. Mm-hmm. But these some of these teachers are just great because they love kids. They want to see them they want to see them be successful. Mm-hmm. And like that what more can I say is like give these teachers like you, whoever, what they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. So well, you know, I, I tell you the, the profession is it's got to be one of the most gratifying professions in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like like you just spoke to with your son. As a teacher, when you see that marked improvement, that growth, um, it really is extremely gratifying. You know, like you do get a, a lot of gratification out of seeing your students succeed. And um, mm-hmm. that, that's the allure, you know, to this. But when there are all kinds of things that happen in between and become obstacles to that kind of growth and that kind of synergy with your students, then it starts to raise doubt in educators' minds. Like, is this really worth it? Um, can yeah. I go to another, you know, profession where maybe I'm valued more and I feel valued more? And that's a mm-hmm. problem right now that we're seeing, unfortunately, in education as a whole. But in particular here in, in the county. Um, my mm-hmm. two girls go to county schools, by the way. So um, I have a very vested interest. Oh. In <laughs> Just, <laughs> well, you know, that's a, that's a whole, we could start talking about that too. Like, so, so one of the problems um, when you're talking about funding and paying for teachers, it's um, most of the funding comes from local um local uh, funds. So when you talk about mm-hmm. making sure that teachers feel appreciated and you talk about making sure that they're compensated according to their value, then you're starting to talk about having to raise taxes. And what has happened in Winchester since we graduated high school is that the cost of living, like the property is expensive. So you have a lot yeah. of people like myself who would have loved to have lived in Winchester, but my same dollar stretched a whole lot farther when I just went across 81, oh. you know, mm-hmm. and, and um, uh, so you're, you're forced sometimes to make those kinds of decisions. But that being said, um, this is something that the mayor of Winchester is aware of, it's something that the superintendent is aware of. And there's a concerted effort to try to bring in affordable housing for young professionals like teachers, like police officers, firemen. You know, the fact is, is like if you're serving in this community, you should be able to afford to live in this community. And that's something yeah, yeah. that is um, trying to be, you know, a, a mm. remedied right now. Yeah. Good. Exactly right. Yeah. But yeah, I think, well, thanks, Clarence, for yeah explaining all that. That's great. You know, so hopefully you get more diversity in there, get these students straight. 
Because I'm, I'll say I'm yeah, struggling with I, my, my teenager, my oldest, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> relating yeah, to teachers, yeah. and they're biracial. Yeah. So hey, right, that's a good question. Right. How do we fix that? What does he need? A balance. So. <laughs> yeah, so. it's it's tough, man. You know, and and speaking as someone who is biracial, you know, when I was coming through school, I didn't necessarily have that same connect that I'm speaking about. I, there were no biracial teachers. They were either white or they were black, or you had a Spanish teacher teaching teaching Spanish, right? So, you know, that's, that's a, that is a challenge, you know, it's something that your kids are going to have to um, grapple with. And I think that anyone who is biracial out there, they understand that that's part of the nature of being biracial is you have to grapple with who you are, where you fit in, you know, know, I don't remember diversity at Hanley. Well, you had, um, I I had my Spanish teachers were white and Mm -hmm. the only black teachers I had was Mr. Dixon and Mr. Hastick. Mm-hmm. But that's me. I could be wrong, but at least when I was there, those are the only people I remembered. So there was yeah. no really black other black teachers or instructors. Mr. Brown, there was, mm-hmm. um, was no, no Asians or no Hispanics to my knowledge. I don't remember any of that, at least I at had, our school. I, I had Mr. Mr. Haston. Is who I had. Exactly. Bob Him Haston. and Tommy Dixon and Mr. Well, Dixon. I don't remember anybody else. And Mr. You're, Brown. you're right. Wasn't you're there right. Mr. There. Pantoja? Mr. Pantoja, the Spanish teacher. I, you're yep, right. I do I, remember him. I, I just had, didn't have him. It's just probably yeah. why I didn't learn right, enough Spanish. Liz, Chris, <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. There, there was diverse teachers. I had Frau Blount. She was German. Remember her? I don't you remember. remember. I, 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 I that's do. Cool. That's, yeah, remember? That's, yeah. I do. She was yeah. from Ger- I had her as my German teacher. Miss Tiedrick. Hispanic. So there was actually, you know, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that you guys are talking about this because, you know, like we're struggling to name what is there and there. now. And, well, but and again, collectively, you just came up with maybe six names. And when you're talking about <laughs> faculty of about, you know, 120 but, people, it's like, you know, that's I not mean, reflective. Like, well, I know I know Jeb has um, biracial kids, too, who are part Hispanic. You know, mm-hmm. he like when his kids reach Hanley, they're going to be maybe by that time, the majority, uh, because again, they're, they represent 40% of the population yeah. right now. Yeah. And and it's like, okay, so shouldn't we see a lot of Hispanic teachers? We would like to see that. Right. And not just Hispanic teachers teaching Spanish. It should be Hispanic teacher, teachers teaching history Teaching. and math yeah. and science and English, you know, like the core subjects. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, yeah, we shouldn't that's be struggling to, to find certain names. It's just, right. that's the fact. That's what diversity is about. It's not about, oh, why don't we have more black teachers or Hispanic teachers? It's because there are just none and those opportunities have not really been provided. Yeah. Well, I could tell anyone who's listening to this, if you're interested and you want to kind of start to change this thing, um, I'm pretty easily found, whether it's through Facebook or Messenger or my phone numbers out to have. There you go. So, yeah, don't hesitate to reach out and any capacity. Or hit us up, whoever. Yeah, 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 and and I don't care what your you know what your background is. Like, make sure that you um you know if, if this is something that interests you. Again, from everything from cafeteria workers to bus drivers. I mean, like, there's so many opportunities to work and to to contribute to your community here. Um, it's not just who's standing in the classroom, you know. So, uh, please, you know, don't hesitate to reach out, and I'd love to have a conversation with you. Why why is there such a lack of interest, like in becoming a teacher? Well, so they don't is, even get paid. Is, they they get paid. I, the, my fault to cut anybody off, but Clarence, at least to my my standing and knowledge, teachers in the whole world are just underpaid, man. So yeah, that, and they yeah. have a family to feed themselves. Sure. So I I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you some things to chew on. So I have a master's degree, and I had sixteen and a half years of experience. Sixteen years of experience, and I was going into my last year of teaching at Sarando, making sixty thousand dollars. 
So if you think about that for a second, I was I had students in class who were graduating and going into HVAC or into, um, you know, like uh, working for Navy Federal. And they were making starting off at 55, you know, um, as as 18 year olds, 19 year olds. So, you know, like you certainly don't get into education to make money, but it's like exactly what is your value? So when you compare it to other you know professions and you're like, man, like Chris was just saying, you you. I, I would argue, obviously, I'm biased that we're we're vastly underpaid. And then you consider back to what we were just speaking about with uh, familiar faces. Um, the reason that we have such a um, dearth of um, minority teachers is because there was no one to model it, you know. And it's important. Mm-hmm. And and there's all kinds of studies with this. This is more philosophical. If you're coming through and you're Hispanic and you make that connection with that Hispanic teacher, you're now recognizing that hey, this is a this is a possibility for me too. Maybe I want to be a teacher because I was inspired by Mr. Hernandez or, or whoever it might have been. Well, when those teachers aren't there in place, then that connection is never made. So you don't have people, young people who are black or Hispanic or Asian who are looking in in you know in their classroom and saying this could be me. So in their mindsets, they're like, that's not an option for me. I need to go somewhere else in order to make a living. And that has to change. And the only way that changes is by bringing my more minorities in. So um, yeah. I, I, got, I was just in a recruiting trip to Frostburg. I've participated in a couple of virtual trips. I went to Howard University um, two years ago, just before the pandemic. Um, and they're just, uh, we're just missing um, opportunities to, to create teachers. And you were right. Part of that solution would have to be, you've got to monetize it. You've got to give an incentive to say, look, this is the route that I want to go and I can live comfortably. I can afford housing in the area that I'm teaching. And right now we're just not there. It's a, that's one field that me, Chris and Zeb wanted to get into. We talk about is teaching, mm-hmm. but it's too late. Why is it too late? <laughs> oh, I, I'm just messing. It's not. Well, you know, here's another opportunity for me to plug. There are career switcher programs. So you, if you have a college degree, you've got a bachelor's, but you chose some other career path and you're like, you know, I've I've got this calling. I feel like I should be in the classroom. I want to, I want to help kids. I want to try to, you know, build a better community. Um, There's a career switcher program and it takes anywhere between two to five years, just depending on the pace that you want to take your classes. And you Mm -hmm. can switch that bachelor's degree concentration over into education. So again, if you're listening to this and you're interested, it's never too late. I mean, here's another thing with the fact that we don't get paid a lot is that we don't retire you know like you have opportunities to work into your 60s and 70s you know um so hey my grand my my grandmother went to valdosta state and got her degree because she got bored at 60 60 (laughs) years old yeah i'm bored i'm gonna go to college and just you know get a degree on something i wish it was that easy for me georgia you know who goes to that school tony who valdosta state yeah, me. A great football program. Yeah. Hey, that's a great Meech school. goes there. And my buddy Ben Bates went there, too. Yeah. Great school. Valdosta. It is. Hey, hey, Clarence, here's the thing. If I come back yeah, to Winchester. Uh, shoot, I forgot what I was I love New York. And look, when I, I remember when I moved here, my mentor in Lynchburg, he told me, because he's from Brooklyn, but he moved to Lynchburg after 9-11 with his family. He was like, you're not going to be working for just black and white people, kid. You know, it's going to be all kinds of people. They're going to be from all kinds of countries. Mm-hmm. But I was I, I was kind of blessed in the right that only only Haley might only have Mr. Dixon and Mr. Haston. But I grew up in the Evans home. So I was so used mm-hmm. to diversity and I got blessed in ways that I didn't realize at a young age. Mm-hmm. But coming to New York, I had just so many opportunities just to see that it wasn't just a black and white world. And there was so much more out there. It didn't bother me. But diversity is one of my favorite things about living up here is because yeah. it. I work with so many people from different countries and different walks of life, man. And it's beautiful. And that's why I'm like, 
diversity is very important. Everybody yeah. can learn from everybody. Absolutely. But I come back, I come back home and I don't need to get paid to do that job that, that you have an opportunity for. But while I'm going and doing those classes, I'll work for free, but I'm getting both experience, time on the job and not even getting paid. I don't need that 16,000. I would have to find another way of income. So I'd have another job at the time, but that's just hustle and grind. Well, if you come back to Winchester and you're interested, you know who to talk to. Yep. There you go. Hey, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get him back. I'm working yeah. on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to work on stuff. Well, it's funny, man. This guy, this guy makes an appearance once every blue moon in Winchester and the whole city turns out for him. So imagine yeah. what you do in the classroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get him back. Yeah, man. So. You know, you, you got a gift, Chris. So, you know, imagine what that would do for young kids who came through the same situation that you did. You know, it goes a, right back to what we were just talking about. You you can be the the mentor. You could be the idol, you know? You know, I, yeah, he asked me as the host, but I'm like, hey, man, I, you're the host. I'm just your damn sidekick. You bring, <laughs> <laughs> you bring him in. <laughs> who am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, nah, man, I just, I just enjoy helping people and and trying to give people a reason to smile, man, and know there's way more to life than than what we realize. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Exactly. And, and that's one thing we love about getting people like you, Clarence. There's not a lot of people like you, but you're just you're so down to earth. But you're like intelligent, man, and you just you kind of look at things from all angles, man. And so you open all of our eyes up, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate that. That's very kind yeah. of you. But uh, okay, before I forget, I had the question. This is what I wanted to ask. Uh, so back to getting more minority teachers like you said hispanics because we have a high you know population of hispanics i think it's more than even whites and blacks now in winchester so is there like an internship like saying get students more interested yeah say, i love in the, the question in the asking. school like yeah. you know like say hey you know because we have trade school like you know what mm-hmm. uh andy vipperman started all that you know mm-hmm. and then have that like hey introduce teach get at a young age to start get you know more minorities in the teaching yeah great question so there's a teacher at um i'm Andy giving you all now. ideas no 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 well these, no you're just giving, <laughs> you're giving me the opportunity to talk about some of the things yeah, that we yeah. are having so there's a there's a spanish teacher at um hanley named uh iliana escalante and uh, mm-hmm. I've gone up and I've, I've visited her a couple of times and she's trying to identify Hispanic students who are in school right now and um, trying to push them into the pathway of becoming a teacher. Yeah, that, There's yeah. also a teacher mm-hmm. up there named Chip Newcomb who runs a Teachers for Tomorrow uh, class. Um, yeah. We're currently working in, in concert and we're going to get those students out into the schools, elementary, middle and high, to give them opportunities right now to see what that's about. Um, we have a cohort. Um, running through Lord Fairfax um, and then to JMU. Uh, it's largely online and it saves about $30,000 off of the normal cost or average cost of a bachelor's degree here in Virginia. Um, and that will lead to uh, licensure and educate or elementary education. Um, so we have these, what we could like to call grow your own um, uh, initiatives where we're trying to identify uh, minority students and encourage them. And, and, you know, like I didn't know that I wanted to be a teacher until I was 25 years old. I never had yeah. anyone to come along and say when I was in high school, hey, man, you should consider teaching and let me take yeah. you out into the school and let me let me take you into some classrooms and, and give you a tour and let you know what the opportunities are. Didn't have that. So we're trying to do that now and we're trying to pre- uh, present those opportunities um, so that students can, again, understand like what's out there and what's available to them and that there are means, you know, that are more, um, frankly, more affordable than trying to go traditional routes. So that's yeah. what we're looking at now. 
And that's what I feel is, yeah, you need to give, open up more doors and say, hey, this is out there. This is out there. Yeah. Absolutely. The same as trade school. Yeah. So a lot of times yeah. college ain't the route for people. Yeah. And then 100. So, yep. Yep. Is right, Dow J still active? Yeah. So Dow J, Dow J is a Frederick County Public Schools entity. So um, what Winchester has is pretty amazing. Up on the hill behind Hanley uh, used to be John Kerr Elementary. So those of you like myself who got to go to school up there, you wouldn't yep. recognize the place. You wouldn't recognize the place, Chris. Mm-hmm. Like you go out and on the outside, it's got a nice paint job. And maybe you're like, oh, yeah, this kind of looks familiar. You walk inside and it's the Innovation Center. And they have kids doing electrical work. They have kids in the shop building, uh, like fabricating metal uh, projects. They have um, IT going on there. Um, I just just what Tony was talking about, these trades that Do are available. Do they have available. walls? Um, it, you know, so you remember when we were at John Kerr, they used to have like the uh, the wardrobes and yeah. things separate in classrooms. Yeah, you could now, roll them. <laughs> this, stuff has, like, this, this, this building has like tempered glass. It has, I mean, it, it looks like a museum inside. They just, it's gorgeous. Oh. And it's a... It's a it's an alternative to the traditional style of education. These kids come up there and they um, collaborate with their teacher and they come up with an idea for a project. The teacher will present like a, um, a like a, a problem, you know, like here, here's what we need to do. And the kids then collaborate and they come up with solutions and then they literally build it. They have, um, again, uh, IT stuff there. So kids are coming out with certifications uh, toward um, a career in that. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, they have a showcase coming up here pretty soon. So um, Winchester's doing great things. That's, that's what I'm trying yeah. to get at. No, that's I, cool. What, what age is that? Is that kind of like if school. after school, after nope. high school? High school. So kids are literally going like right up the hill to it's the Grace Shahada Innovation Center. They go straight up the hill and, and uh, for part of the day and then come right back down the hill to Hanley for the rest of the day. I, I know somebody that, that I'm being 100 percent honest right now. I could be that could be a good thing for. And that's a young man named Quincy Dengish. Yeah. Oh, Chris, he's already into that. He's already Quincy. like welding and stuff. No, Quincy. Both my boys. That's yeah. what I but just I'm said. saying like to, go they, to, to go to a program mm-hmm. like Clarence is speaking of, that could be that could be a very positive thing for him, especially yeah, if he's yeah. already interested in it. Yep. Yeah. And Christian does uh like a lot of the wood, you know, get Danny Morgan, you had the wood all that stuff. He breaks stuff home all the time. Like, Dad, look, I did this. I'm like, they love like working with their hands and stuff, which is great because yeah. kids need stuff like that, you know, because they're into sports, but I always tell them you need a plan B. Like, well, not just that, Tony, but you, know, you guys have to I but, hope that you realize like this country right now, we're having problems filling jobs in the infrastructure yeah. because our our uh, generation, we we were told that you had to go to college to be successful, right? So we have yep. all these people who are our age that could have gotten skills working in electrical, HVAC, plumbing, you know, um, mm-hmm. all these different things, fabrications, uh, construction, engineering, you know, all these different um, uh, things that are so valuable to the infrastructure of our society, but we're missing out. So um, I'm glad that Winchester and other uh, school districts are putting more of an emphasis and giving opportunities for people to you know, well, go earn more than I was at, um, you know, at, at Federal <laughs> County Public Schools after 16 years. So uh, it's a great opportunity. Yeah. And, and they're there. Well, kids, yeah. kids are making more money now playing video games and doing YouTube <laughs> stuff. I have no uh, idea how much they are. Man, I'll tell you what, you know, it, it, you're not lying. And, and it's easy because we see those ESPN, like um, those, those video game uh competitions or whatever you want to call them. But um, understand that there's other applicable purposes to this because our military now, um, it's not like the military that we studied in World War II or even Vietnam. This stuff is being fought with drones, you know, so you need those kids with those joystick abilities 
to sit in some yeah. room here in D.C. and fly operations over in Afghanistan. And, and you know, I'm kind of saying that tongue in cheek, but I do know of a case and where that exact scenario happened. Well, the room wasn't in D.C. It was in New Mexico. But a, a kid, um, a, a young graduate, uh, basically playing a video game and flew um, a military mission in Afghanistan and uh, had a missile strike, took out one of the uh, the leaders of the Taliban. So that stuff, it's it's real. Man. <laughs> That's dope, too. Oh, oh it's, wow. it's, it's scary wow. is what it is. Well, of course, yeah, that took, right. but, because they can do that with or without the government's help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, all right, guys. Yeah, all right, Clarence. Well, thanks for you know letting everybody know that and informing us on that you know diversity and what's you know huge things that come. So hopefully, all that works out. And yeah, let me say one last time. Let me say mm-hmm. one last time. Winchester is looking for these kinds of people, man. Like you know, like we're actively looking to diversify. So. Um, I'm hoping that speaks to anyone who's listening here who feels like maybe, you know, education isn't like welcoming to them or they don't have a role in it. Like I'm telling you, we are making a concerted effort to do that. So don't hesitate to reach out. All right, man. Cool. So we'll get on to our second subject. So we'll touch on that is, you know, Native Americans, Indians, you know, Chris gets picky about that. What's the say? I know some people do, but we're going to talk about how. You know, basically, to me, it was like the very first Holocaust in the world, how they were, you know, persecuted. Basically, white people wanted to eliminate them completely. So we'll get on that now. Yeah. So Clarence, you can speak on it or Chris can start talking about it. But how we came over, we just wanted to basically eliminate them, mm-hmm. you know, just make them extinct. And mm-hmm. what the government just basically, oh, well, we'll make a treat. What they do, whatever. We'll give you land here. And that's it. Uh, but that to me, they're never talked about, really. Honestly, you know, it's never brung up. And my one experience, because you know, here on the East Coast, like honestly, does any of us know personally a true 100% Native American? Do mm-hmm. any of you? Is my first question. I I don't. And the first time I ever met one is when I went out west to Arizona and I saw true Native Americans out there, a mm-hmm. reservation, and. Uh, and I'll say this last before I let you all speak. So just to say, because people don't know this, they do get harassed, just like, mm-hmm. you know, here West, like we experience. And my dad told me, because we were separate, he went out to a store, just a local out in the desert. And of course, he said there was an old, you know, Native American lady working in the store. And he said he could see in her face. He walked in and she just like got scared. And next thing he knows, a local sheriff rolls in they because you know it's like a res whatever area and basically just like watching him like if he's going to do anything mm-hmm. and that's the thing like they're scared of white people as well because you probably felt like oh he's going to rob her or something you know what I mean? so that's that's the same thing they just, they get harassed by us as well so you guys can speak on it says that they get the same treatment they're just outcasts like everybody else well, I don't want to say everybody else, but you see what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. So it, it it just shocks me that it's rarely ever talked about. They're, they're just excluded when they were here for and just totally basically eliminated. I don't even know yeah. the population. I, I wanted to look it up. I don't even know how many the population total in America anymore. So anybody want to start chiming in on it? Well, well you 
you don't hear anything about them because they don't have any political leaders. Like name name somebody in the government that represents <laughs> yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I looked that up. That uh, they somebody was trying to take. out I, I looked up some. Then they were people were commenting and shit on it, saying, "Oh, the that they have some kind of council or something in the government." And somebody was like, "No, it's like the government still controls them," which I believe it. Yeah, they you know still control the rest of it, everything. And so, okay, it, it I can speak on this. For, I can speak on this a little bit. Um, so I'm by no means am an expert, um, but I, I do take. Um, a very concerted uh, interest in in the plight of Native Americans. So here's what I know and what I can tell you. The population of Native Americans in this country and on this land was about 60 million people before Christopher Columbus showed up, 1492. Oh, so that, that, yeah. that, you know, with Christopher Columbus landing in the Caribbean, um, he quickly went to work on eradicating all of the Tiano people who were from that area. Um, and we know that because he had shipped in, in this manifest, these logs talking about how he came across these handsome people and they'll make great servants. And there are all kinds of accounts of him uh, looking for gold and sending them out into the hills. And you all know there's no gold in the Caribbean, right? So these um, <laughs> these poor natives were coming back empty-handed and he was cutting off hands. Um, there are accounts of them raping young girls as young as nine years old. Um, so right from the beginning, uh, you're talking about a victimization of the Native American people. So about 60 million people before Christopher Columbus showed up and then 100 years later, that number was down to 6 million. So wow. another way to think about that is if you take 10 Native Americans, nine of them are going to be killed thanks to um, interaction with Europeans. And that was not by accident. Some of it, the biggest, the biggest um, factor in that was disease. Now, we had over 40 armed conflicts with Native Americans. So what that means is the government formally brought up a military uh, and and went and fought against Native Americans. Uh, probably the most famous of those is Andrew Jackson. I'll get back to him in, the, in a moment. But to show like not just the the armed conflicts and the uh, accidental things with bringing diseases that uh, the people living here were not familiar with, things like smallpox. But then when uh, these Europeans and, and these colonialists, these colonists figured out that uh, the Native Americans didn't have um, any kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for when you have uh, an immunity, we'll call it. Um, then they started uh, yeah. enacting biological warfare. So there's a there's a general Amherst, and um, in order to start to clear out some of what is now the Ohio River Valley, he had uh, people who were coming on peace missions, right? They were supposed to come there to, to work out things diplomatically, and they were handing over linens and blankets that were contaminated with smallpox in order to kill off biological warfare, you know, here we are, you know, and this is in the 1700s, 18th century, biological warfare to eradicate a people. Um, now, let's fast forward all the way up to Andrew Jackson. So what was happening at that same time is this um, Indian Removal Act, and that we often refer to as the Trail of Tears, is that uh, cotton was, was exploding. And guess what kind of land mm -hmm. is best for cotton? The kind of land that's in the southeast of America. So when he comes in uh -huh. and he writes in legislation to forcibly remove um, 15,000 Native Americans from their lands at gunpoint, forcing them to march all the way out west to Oklahoma, that freed up over 100 million acres for cotton planters. 
So at the same time that we see them getting rid of Native Americans and taking the land from them, we also see an explosion in the need for slave labor. So we see slavery explode at the same time that you are exploiting these Native Americans. So this is American formal government. The reason that you probably don't hear about it is because it doesn't sound good. It doesn't look good. And the textbooks that we grew up reading were, uh, were written by people who were not going to allow that. And, and I shouldn't even say the textbooks that we read, uh, you know, grew up reading. It's happening now. You, if you guys haven't seen the Florida uh, governor just banned a bunch of things from uh, some of the, the proposed uh, textbooks because he felt that it was divisive. So if he thinks that, you know, talking about uh, certain issues are divisive, certainly trying to expose the fact that America has put formal um, military operations with the intent <clears throat> to eradicate people, uh, that doesn't sound good. And that's, you know, that doesn't, that's not what the message that a lot of people want out there. But the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> you can go find this information. Uh, it's at your fingertips. You know, you don't have to yeah. trust my word for it. You can go find this information and it's not hidden anymore. I don't have to rely on a textbook. I can go see, you know, the the Columbus uh, Ship Manifest. I can see a copy of that. I can see what the Virginia House of Burgesses wrote into law here that basically push Native Americans out of any part of the societal structure here, the societal apparatus. As you're talking about people coming in as indentured servants, you're talking about the first enslaved people showing up here in 16, not showing up, but being brought here forcibly in 1619. But Native Americans were pushed to the side, Tony, like you're talking about. They were not allowed to be part of this hierarchy. And then over time, as the forces became more formidable, they would go in and they would over 40 different times. You can look this stuff up too. Um, you were going to have a formal military conflict with these Native Americans. Um, go fast forward. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of the Washington football team, right? Formerly the Washington Redskins. I learned quickly to stop calling them that when I started doing a little research and trying to be open-minded about it. And when you find out that that term Redskin goes back to a period where we're trying to get rid of Native Americans out in big sky country because we want to connect the transcontinental railroad right after the Civil War, people were actually paying bounties the American government was paying bounties for red skin scalps, red Native American, go out, kill a Native American, bring back their scalp, and I'll pay you $200. There's a, uh, an article in the paper from, um, um, I can't remember the name of the town, but it's in Minnesota. So if you Google red skin scalp, Minnesota uh, bounty, you will find that information. And when you're like, whoa, whoa. So the term red skin comes from killing Native Americans and bringing their scalps back. And then you go look at you know the Washington Redskins and their first coach that they ever hired was supposedly half Native American, and they would throw him in the ceremonial headdress and have him go up and down the sideline whooping like, you know, the stereotypical Indian. And then you considered that the first owner of the Washington Redskins was an overt racist. Um, Congress had to step in. We're ready to take away his team because he wouldn't uh, integrate. And it took Bobby Mitchell, a Hall of Famer, for him to finally integrate. And you know this history, and then you're like, okay, you know, like, it's clear and obvious that America has committed a genocide against people. And I know, Tony, you kept referring to the Holocaust. And it's amazing because we were, we've been taught that um, the Holocaust, the, the, what the German, Nazi Germans um, perpetrated against the Jews in Europe starting in 1939, uh, killing six million people. And it's an atrocity. And we're shocked at it. And it's like, oh, my God, like, how could this ever, ever happen? And then you're like, well, hold on. Hold on, partner. Here in America, we went from 60 million Native Americans to six. You know, yeah. like, and then, and then we can also, if you want to, we can, we can certainly talk about uh, genocide in my, in my mind, um, for uh, African Americans because you actively went out and killed them, um, sometimes just at sight after uh, they were freed. You know, so it's like, oh, well, shit, if they're not my property anymore, then they are no good to me. I'm going to kill them on on sight, and that didn't even become a federal crime until 1942. 
You know, so yeah. this this government and its history um, is is um, it's sad. It's it's um, it's criminal. Um, and and when you talk about retributions, um, you know, it's like, OK, if we can pay off the families of the um, Japanese Americans who were interred uh, at the beginning of World War Two, because when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, it scared the shit out of our government. And we thought all Japanese in America were bad. So let's go round them up and we're going to put them in in um, in prison camps. Well, if we can pay the families of those people, then what does it say when you drive on the reservation that you were just talking about, Tony, and you know that the homelessness rate is up, you know that the alcoholism is up, you know that the suicide is up, that education is down. You're looking at these factors that are supposed to be here on our turf, here in America, our land. And you're like, how is it possible to borrow your term again that we're just ignoring it? You know, it just mm-hmm. does not make sense. Yeah. And, you know, gr- great points. <laughs> I mean, our history is horrible. And like you say, they white people don't want to, we're just to say white people don't want to teach it, the higher ups, because it, it looks bad. It's a bad image. Mm-hmm. And a great point I always say on this show, I bring up Germany all the time. They teach it. Mm-hmm. They do mm-hmm. not hide their history. And I, me and Zeb work for a German company, Germans. And I always say it. We asked them about Hitler. I mean, straight up, it was like, well, what do you think about it? They never wanted to talk about Hitler, but they learned the history. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. those people know their history. They know it was horrible. You know, they right. learn it. We don't. So, so that's partly that's we partly to because, make everything look good. Yeah. Go ahead. That's partly because, um, you know, we've been taught our generation that America is exceptional. You know, that we are undefeated in wars, <laughs> that we're, you know, like that, that That's God, the whole point. That, yeah. yeah, that God God has ordained our country to be better than every other country in the world. When the fact of the matter is, mm-hmm. you look at our geography and that's a huge advantage. We get along with both of our neighbors, Canada and Mexico. We're not on, you know, sharing a border with some hostile nation. Um, it, the fact that we stole land that had... Uh, you know, bountiful amounts of resources and got rich really fast off of that and a whole slaveocracy that built the wealth in this country. We don't consider all those factors that made us so powerful, but what is taught to us is that we're exceptional. Well, that's a hard thing to want to instill in our youth and then turn around in the next period and talk to them about the genocide against the Native Americans. So what has happened in our history is the people who are the shot callers have decided that they're going to ignore and pretend like that history never happened. And they're going to tell some, you know, some rose tinted, you know, glass story. It's like, um, you know, you can find textbooks to this day that talk about um, enslaved people as workers. What do you mean workers? Yeah, you, you can read stuff that, that um, you know, enslaved people were happy, you know, on the plantation. One of the most famous movies in cinema history is Gone with the Wind. And when you watch the black folks in that movie, you're like, whoa, I guess slavery wasn't so bad, you know, but yeah. the stark reality is it was absolutely th- the worst form of slavery that this world has ever seen. And some of the most just disgusting uh, uh, acts of violence and rape and all kinds of different things that were uh, perpetrated against African-Americans but and, and Native Americans, but were said, you know, we're taught America's exceptional. We don't want to talk about those things. Well, let's, let's and it goes, yeah, and it goes to Thanksgiving. What are you, yeah. in school throughout your child? It's like, oh, Thanksgiving's so great. We broke bread with the Indians and kids, you just grew up like, man, Indians are awesome. And you know, right through your whole childhood, you're th- you don't yeah. think about, oh, we persecute. You don't learn it. Like, yeah. they're awesome. Yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah. You're taught to kind of piggyback off of that. You're taught that the indigenous mm-hmm. people here were so happy that these um, these white colonists showed yeah. up, that they wanted to show them how to 
grow crops and to give them bountiful food and, and have this, you know, what becomes Thanksgiving. And then the reality is they turn around these colonists and they eradicate the Native Americans in the and <laughs> uh, that New England area. And that part's not talked about, you know, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's shameful. They taught us. They who taught who us wrote our textbooks? Grow. Who who wrote America's textbooks? All right, it'll so, tell you the, the history right yeah, there. Yeah, man, so we when we way. say history, what does that say? His so, story and yeah, we're well, taught in the way and the views that they want us to learn. Well, I'm, I'm the truth is the even, truth is that photo right behind me that that stands so it means so much to me. When it says it hurts, uh, and the Indian is saying, "I know." That's a good. I, one. I hate the word Native American because I don't Native American. It wasn't called America then, so how are they Native Americans? So I, I don't like all of that. And, and we're not taught about Indians and them being wiped off the earth and black people. And like Clarence just said, this country is so rich and became number one, supposedly, because there was all that free labor. Everything that was invented in this country damn near was from a black person. They're the ones that did all the work and had to figure everything out. We're not told anything. Like you said on, on an old podcast, Tony, like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and Rosa Parks, there's hardly anybody else talked about. And they're mentioned for two seconds. Mm-hmm. So I get frustrated mm-hmm. on that. Not and No racist stuff. I get frustrated because we know, but we still don't care enough to make it happen to really teach the truth. And that's why mm-hmm. I love that Clarence is able to try to do that somewhat. Yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll, um, I, I can't remember if I told you guys this in my last uh, time on your show, but um, Chris, you just asked who the textbooks are. And I think you were looking for a more general answer, you know, his story. I'll get into a little bit more specifics to really kind of open your eyes on this. So um, history textbooks here in Virginia come from a man named Jubal Early. And you guys probably recognize that because he's yeah. the main throwaway here. In Winchester. Yeah, we oh definitely do. He's a tear his statue the down. Right, tear right. Tear his statue well, down and change that name. But uh, that's a different if, story. But If you're not familiar with Jubal Early, he was a Confederate general. And after the yeah. war, he he had to leave the country because like, he thought that he was going to be he thought he was going to be brought up on war crimes. So he leaves the country, but he ends up after going through Mexico, then to Canada. He comes back into America and he starts writing a narrative on what the Civil War was about. And he's the first Civil War veteran to write an account of the Civil War. But he changes everything. He says the war had nothing to do with slavery, that it was about states' rights and it was an overzealous uh, and overreaching federal government and that the poor people and the it was a lost cause is what it's called. And, and they had to stand up for that. Well, his teachings in this book called The Lost Cause ended up getting translated straight into textbooks, history textbooks. So all those things that we just talked about of what America, you know, what it's been taught, it's not about uh, slavery, all these different things come from a man who was part of this Confederate army who was exiled out of the country and came back and changed the narrative and gave a false narrative. And that's what we grew up being taught. Yeah. From a Confederate soldier. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, yeah. such a great thing that we named the street would- after him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I want to say my brother Jason did a whole episode. He has a podcast. And I uh-huh. want to say he did a whole history of their family. And it's very interesting. Uh, of whose family? Yeah. Your family, the Digits? Uh, early, Jubal, no, the Jubal, you know, his Oh, family. the Earlys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The early, it, it was the very, or no, no, no. Oh, okay, yeah, it was the birds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can get so, we can go yeah. on them too. Yeah, yeah we, we can, can talk about yeah, them. birds. Yeah. You you're right. Very interesting on yeah, he dug yeah. deep into their family tree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but good so and, yeah. and our hometown celebrates all of that, not even knowingly <laughs> now in these times, we celebrate all of that horrible history in our hometown. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing. Um 
I'm, I don't want to go too far on super early, but really his only tie to Winchester, he had a sneak attack at the Battle of Cedar Creek down near Middletown. And Philip Sheridan was up here in a hotel, probably the Taylor Hotel, as a matter of fact. And um, the sneak attack happened in the wee early morning hours, right? So someone had a chance to jump on their horse, ride all the way up here, get Philip Sheridan in Winchester, drive all the way back down, ride all the way back down to Middletown. And Sheridan turned the time, like Jubal Early should have won that, that little battle. Sheridan gets down there, wins the battle, forces forces Jubal Early out of the, the valley. So that's his only exploit here. And Winchester says, no, that's good enough for me. Let's name a, a, a street after him. <laughs> it's insane. He just, he just walked through the town. Man, yeah. we're gonna name give him a statue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's insane. But you know, that's that's yesteryear. The, um different people, that's different leadership in 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 place here in Winchester. Um things are changing and they're changing for the better. And um I'm looking forward to the day that that statue's taken down and that that street is renamed because um, you know, like to put it in different context, that would be like someone naming a street Timothy McVeigh Avenue. And you guys remember Timothy McVeigh was the guy who became um, yep, I was in the home government. Ass. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, set off that bomb in front of the uh, uh, building there in Oklahoma, the federal building in Oklahoma city. Oklahoma city. I mean, you're talking about a traitorous guy who took up arms against this country. That's what Juba early did, but we that named was actually early about and, this month in 95. If I'm, if I'm correct. Is that right? This month I was in home ec. I, I forget her name, but we were making like, pinwheels or purple cows or whatever she was calling that stuff. But I remember being in that and I was young enough to understand it, but not fully understand it. But I remember Timothy McVeigh had the van, blew yep. the building up, this and that. Yeah. I remember that entire thing. Yeah. And you're right. Could... But we sell it. And so we celebrate that kind of stuff and people are like, Oh, it's history. We can't get rid of it. We can continue to teach certain things, but this teaches the right way. We don't celebrate that. Correct. And that's right. what confuses me when, and we're in 2022 now, and and I don't care what you look like. How do you not understand that that's wrong and we should change it? It's, we're not going to forget it, but we're going to teach it the right way. And we're, you forgot everything else that should be told, and but we want to continue to celebrate the George Washingtons and the Juba Earlies and all that. Like to me, it's just wrong. The Admiral Birds or whoever that, all those people. I'm like, so I can't remember that, if it was Nicole Hannah Jones or if it was Todd Nahasi Coates. I, I someone posed that question to them and there and I'm not saying that I espouse this. This is their response. They said that the reason that people don't want to teach that now is because they feel that they're going to lose the superiority that they enjoy now. They feel if they tell the whole history that they're not going to be in the same status in this country, like things are change and that scares them. So that's why they want to continue with the misinformation or the omission of actual history altogether. I'll let the, the, you all decide on that point, um, but it, it is an interesting point. I would say that photo behind me sums up exactly what you just said. Again. <laughs> the truth hurts. Yeah. You're exactly it has right. nothing to do with all of my beautiful friends and family that are white. It has to do with the truth. And that's it. It's like anything in life. People just want to sweep negative shit under the rug. You know, they don't want to face the truth. And I, I think that's just anybody. Because the I truth know. hurts. Yeah. With with Jubal Early, I had to look all that up. I didn't know about Jubal Early till I was like in my thirties. And I'd ride down that street. I didn't even know who he was. Mm -hmm. no, we never yeah. learned about that. Nope. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, Jubal Early, whatever. It's just some guy, some name. <laughs> just like Watson Avenue. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. 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 It's whatever. But hey, that's like you say, Clarence. These days, you can find information anywhere. I think that's what scares scares them too. 
They just mm-hmm. say people can look up anything. So I tell my kids, I tell my kids straight up, I'm like, don't sometimes tell them, don't listen to your teachers. Like <laughs> what 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 they tell you today? Like I like what? No. <laughs> so Tony, this this goes nothing, back nothing into, against all of them, but something. Tony, I, I would say this goes them. back into tying into our first subject in diversity and life comes uh-huh. full circle. So I was gonna ask Clarence how we can make a difference as people and help change the, the narrative and the way the truth of the history is taught. But until we have enough diversity and positions of power to make those opportunities be become a reality, it's not going to change. So you need that diversity because continuously yeah. having those people in position of power to make these real big decisions, continuously teaching their next generations that this is how it is and this is how it needs to be. We're not going to change anything without diversity. Well, all right. I'll give my opinion on education. Okay. I'm, I'm one where, and this is short and sweet. You need to teach kids just straight up. Like some parents do be real with them from the get go from elementary. Just be real with them. Teach them start. Like we're talking about history. Teach their asses five years old. Tell them the, the truth about this country. And that scares, oh, no, you can't teach them, but no, violence or this and that. No, if they grow up, it's like kids' minds are like sponges and whatever. They get acclimated to it, right? It's like in Europe. They have commercials with nudity, and they're open. They are way more open to everything. Because what's America? We're a very religious, because, you know, Bible, this and that. And, you know, everything's taboo. If we're more open with our kids at a very young age, they are going to grow up not curious, right? You remember going like, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. And then when they get to them teenage years, they're already going to be, well, I've been there and seen that and everything. They're not going to be as curious. They'll be more responsible. They'll know everything. They'll know our history. Just start it at a young age. Yeah, That's just the way I, that's it. Just start everything. Stop being fucking scared to teach our kids shit. You know, they're going to hit, they hear shit worse in school anyway, but teach them young. That's, that's how I feel. Be real with them. I don't know what your all opinion is, but I, don't sugarcoat stuff. Education yep. starts. Players are just sitting there, players are just sitting there smiling like. Yeah, <laughs> it's not exactly my opinion on things, but I, I do think that there's a time and place. It's just when it comes that time, like, I, I don't want to tell I got a. I got an 11 year old and then my youngest is about to turn nine. And I don't want to have to tell them the things that I just talked about with you because I don't want to take away their innocence. I'm I'm not saying, no, you don't take away like their, you know, their innocence, but it's like, I always go back. Me and Zeb work with, you know, for Germany. And we, I would have great conversations with them. Like, what do you guys do over here? Educate. Like I would ask like these Mm -hmm. questions and Mm -hmm. they would say this stuff. They're just like, dude, like, you know, they start, drinking at an early uh, early age and they're they're introduced to stuff at an early age like just everything you know just that they are so responsible like when i go out and drink they're like dude i'm not drinking i'm gonna be the dd that mm-hmm. you know because in america like i say everything's just taboo you know mm-hmm. a lot of parents just hides that they don't want to have these conversations of certain at a young age and that's my point like don't like shelter your kid just let them ex- not experience but you know you've had these talks or they just ex- you know what i mean like mm-hmm. some parents just won't let kids watch certain movies and it just blows my mind like 
but America's got a lot more violence and drugs than Europe does. Europe doesn't have a crime rate like the United States. Uh, Dude, come on. That's my whole point. Like Europe, dude, drugs, they, that's why, come on, Zeb, we've had this conversation too. Fucking Amsterdam and all that. They're looking at the Netherlands. Everything's legal. And their crime rate is like 2%. Because if you just let people decide on their own, and that's what what my whole point, everything's taboo. So what are people going to, they're curious. And then people are just like, oh, they want to be, oh, I want to sneak and go do this because it's taboo. Like, but if it's just, oh, well, everything's just, you can do whatever. And I don't know. I, you see what I've got, like, getting that? Like, it's. Uh, we but, got gangs and lots of guns. Like, it's our culture is so different. Than well, America's just screwed. But, it's so different. Yeah. But it's like, how do you turn a whole society around when it's been like that for forever? <laughs> so that that's a great question. We just have to start all over. <laughs> so and I don't know, guys. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Hey, so, I want I want to clarify something just in case people are listening and they think that I'm like anti-America or something. Um that, that's I, I, want, I want to make sure. That's what everybody probably thinks about me. I'm, but I'm not. I'm just like, yeah. I, hey, well, I, love I, I just want to say, yeah, we just want change just, is all it is. I just I just want to say, like, you know, I think that knowing the true history of this country is important because it allows everyone who lives in this country to be invested in this country. Um, you don't have to be, you know, a white male to feel like you have a stake in this country. Um, when you find out the whole history, it starts to liberate you and you start to learn, like Chris was talking about earlier, the contributions that African-Americans have made, that Hispanic-Americans made, Asian-Americans have made. And then suddenly this country is, starts to live up toward or starts to go toward its ideals, which is supposed to be justice and equality for all. Right. And we know that through our history it has not been justice and equality for all, even though that that's what we, you know, we espouse and that we try to, you know, bring up and say these are the best um, uh, uh hallowed words of our country, but we haven't lived up to them. So I think it's important to learn that history. Um, it liberates you and it helps everyone to realize that uh, you have as much stick in this country as your neighbor does. And that's beautiful. Yeah. Yep. So any final thoughts, guys? I think we've been on here for like two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great having you all, Clarence. We could just keep going yeah man i appreciate this opportunity i'm not in the classroom anymore so uh anytime i get to have these kind of conversations it's a blessing yeah this is your classroom now we'll have you (laughs) on anytime (laughs) i appreciate that this this is great so last uh, yeah since you said like this was your opportunity you know put yourself out there like let people know where they can hit you up maybe for a job opportunity yeah absolutely i'm i'm on facebook so you guys can find i'm and i'm using my regular name I'm Clarence Smith under there. Uh, so you can reach me in Messenger as well. Um, I'm, I'm not on really on any other social media sites, but uh, mm-hmm. my phone numbers are also out there. You guys uh, can get a hold of that if that's the route that you would like to go. But yeah, if you have any interest at all in coming and, and making this community better and making it work for you, um, let me know. Let me know. And I'm sure that we can find something in some capacity uh, for you to get involved. All right, man. I appreciate it. We appreciate you having on. Yeah, appreciate it, Tony. Having you, having you on. All right, appreciate it, Chris. Yeah, man, we appreciate it, man. Blessings. All right, man. All right, I'll see you guys. All right, man. All right, man. See you. All right.
All right, guys. That's the end of the show there. Zeb, how, how are you doing, man? Did you have fun? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, that was that was that was good stuff, man, having Clarence on there. So all right, everybody. Uh that's that's a wrap for BWO this week, and we'll see everybody next week. Tune in. Hopefully, we'll have another exciting guest. So you can hit us up at BWO on Facebook, Brothers with Opinions, and also give suggestions. Like Clarence said, even hit us up if you're interested in you know getting involved in the school system. Give suggestions. We love the show. Give us some feedback. So everybody, you know, have a blessed week and we'll see everybody next week. All right. No silence, revolution televised. Ain't no good in private. Not knowledge to the ignorant. Ain't never been blessed. Stand up and be heard. We the new activists. Yeah. Brothers with opinion, let the convo begin. You know communication key, but then you must comprehend. Preach, BWO, let your voices be heard. We enlightened by the truth and now we spreading the word. Let's go. How do we learn to live when we condition to die? Most people fail before they start.